And welcome to Wednesday on the Pierre Opelka Podcast. It's Mike here with so many things on my plate. I hope we have time for all of it. And we also have Dr. Michael Roizen from the Cleveland Clinic joining us. We have to talk to him about the remarkable news yesterday that DeMar Hamlin has been approved to return to play in the NFL. Remember DeMar Hamlin playing for the Buffalo Bills ended up dying during a game and then dying again on the way to the hospital after a brutal hit. Yeah, he's been approved to go back and play, and I have to talk to Dr. Royson about that, plus my uh, battles with allergies and the pollen bomb that hit, and he's got some other stuff he wants to talk about. But we have to talk about the news because the news is full of absolute craziness, insanity, and a lot of it is predictable. Because anytime you put the vice president of Kamala Harris in front of a camera and a microphone and a crowd, she's going to say something dumb. And I am there every single time to watch it. Kamala Harris trying to secure her spot as a possible vice presidential candidate or presidential candidate as uh, we wonder what Joe Biden's going to do. So she was talking to an audience about green green energy and taking diesel trucks and changing them into electric trucks. But they're Democrats, so everything's got to be transitioning. This was Kamala Harris yesterday. And transitioning, you know, this diesel truck that's on its last wheels. (laughs) I got jokes. Uh, Yeah, you got jokes, all right. Yeah, it's at its last wheels. Yeah. Dear God, help us. Help us, help us, help us. Uh, Kamala also uh, yesterday just discovered, apparently, that uh, entrepreneurs also come in small business operators. Yeah. Operators of small businesses usually are entrepreneurs. How about that? You know, I think that when we think about the SBA, it's about small businesses and and, but but. Entrepreneurs are also small businesses. Um, I've started to use the two uh, phrases together because we don't want to leave anyone out because they're the same kind of people. They actually are the same people. Yes, they are. Thanks for noticing. And they also make them a majority of American businesses. The um, idiocy is not limited to just the vice president. It is all through this administration, a cacistocracy, if you will. We talked about it all the time. Government by the worst possible people. And Joe Biden has certainly gathered them and surrounded himself with them. For example, the uh, Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, who refused to give a grade to the Biden administration for their failed efforts to address the border crisis, to stop the flow, the tsunami of people coming into our country illegally, And I watched this, and I'm saying, wait a minute, hold on a second. An additional point to this. This appears that Mitt Romney is actually sounding like a Republican, which is rare. This was a back and forth yesterday in the Senate hearing. Give Give us a grade. How are we in terms of securing our border, our southern border first? How is it an A, B, C, D, E or F in terms of the security of America's southern border? Is it an A or an F? 
It's kind of a simple question, right? Well, not if you're Mayorkas. Where do you grade it? Uh, Senator, I want I, I'm looking for a letter. Uh, Senator, it's, it's not so um, uh, straightforward. Well, sure it is. We, we know how many people are coming across. Are we doing a great job or is it like still failing? Um, Senator, um, the issue of addressing the root causes is not exclusive. I have a question, which is, can you grade how secure our southern border is? An A through an F. Senator, we are dedicating our resources to achieve the maximum possible effect <laughs> of them. Well, it, is, are we succeeding? Is it an A or is it B, a D? Where are we in terms of the number of people coming across the border? For instance, we have gaps in a wall. It's like, why, why would you want to just complete the wall for Pete's sakes? Complete the fencing and make sure that we're in every way we can securing it, at least physically. As well, as well as the other sources that we have, Senator, but but are you you're not willing to give it a grade? I mean, I am. It's an F. It's clearly an F. Yes, thank you, Mitt Romney. Unbelievable. Well done. What a surprise that was. How about that? That actually happened in a hearing. We saw Mitt Romney actually acting like a Republican. Remarkable, and very appreciated. And when we talk about what's going on at the border now, six million plus people crossing our southern border, more than six million people. As a matter of fact, our southern border and all of those people, if we would just put them in one spot, they would be the 18th largest city in this country. Correct me on that. They would be the 18th largest state in the country the 18th largest state in the country, bigger than Maryland. Just the people who've come into our country since Joe Biden took over after Donald Trump. And the Border Patrol, the people who are on the border trying to protect us, are doing yeoman duty. They've had, since October of last year, just since October of last year, over a million apprehensions And of those million, and we know there are millions of gotaways as well, 5,193 confirmed criminals among them, 377 gang members who had outstanding warrants, 330 gang members as well. But here's the other side of this. The border and customs agents there also performed Almost 13,000 rescues of people. Almost 13,000. Those people are working their butts off, and this administration is putting a piano on their backs, trying to prevent them from doing their jobs. All of these guys have been told, don't answer those questions. All of them. And it starts at the top. You know, what's the old expression? The fish begins to stink from the head down. And at the head, a guy who's been stinking up the room for a long time is Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. There was a clip that was posted by the RNC Research Twitter account yesterday, and it features Joe Biden from 1991 in the confirmation hearing of Justice Clarence Thomas, which was an electronic lynching, if you will. And Joe Biden proves what a bonehead he is and Clarence Thomas in this clip shows what an American hero he is 
Good morning, Judge. Welcome to the blinding lights. Finding out what you mean when you say that you would apply the natural law philosophy to the Constitution is, in my view, the single most important task of this committee. Senator? This was a uh, confirmation hearing, of course. And then we cut back to Justice Thomas years later reacting to watching that clip. This is from the documentary about Clarence Thomas's life. Biden was very focused on natural law. How did that go? Who knows? I, I have no idea what he was talking about. I just want to make sure we all know what we're talking about here, that you and I know at least what we're talking about here. There's a fervent and aggressive school of thought that wishes to see natural law further inform the Constitution than it does now, argued against by the positivist led by Judge Bork. Now, again, that may be lost on all the people. You know and I know what we're talking about. Does he really know what he's talking about? I have to be perfectly honest with you. I, you sit there and you have no idea what they are talking about. All I know is that he was asking me these questions about natural law. Someone may apply it in a way, like Moore, who leads him in a direction that is, quote, liberal. You may apply it in a way that leads you in a direction that's conservative. Or you may, like many argue, not apply it at all. But it is a fundamental question that is going to be almost impossible for non-lawyers to grasp in an exchange. But you know and I know. Uh, I know that you are an absolute embarrassment to the people of this country, Mr. President. Clarence Thomas, hero. It is a big, big deal, and in conclusion... One of the things you do in hearings is you have to sit there and look attentively at people you know have no idea what they're talking about. Bingo. Thank you, Justice Thomas. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, the other big story that was bouncing around the media for the past couple of days is uh, Tucker Carlson sit down with Elon Musk. And um, there were several interesting points about um, the interview that needs to be brought out. Number one, of course, uh, the, the fact that Elon Musk is in the car business, in the space travel business, in the social media business, the richest guy on the planet, uh, Tucker asked him about aliens, and I thought Elon's answer was perfect when he said, well, if anybody would know, it would be me. And I initially thought, what an egomaniac. And then seconds later, I said, no, he's right. He's got his toes in the outer space business bigger than just about anybody, maybe even NASA. But Elon also said if he did know, he would immediately tweet it out. If he learned there were aliens, he would immediately tweet it out. But uh, the conversation between Elon Musk and Tucker Carlson was was interesting because it touched on AI. It touched on government intervention into social media, meaning government spying, all kinds of things. I also thought it was fascinating that conversation that they had about how much fat, I'm talking people fat, 
how many extra people were working at Twitter when uh, Elon Musk bought the company and how many of them he got rid of. What percentage of your staff did you fire at Twitter? One of the great business stories of the year. <laughs> I think we're about, we're about uh, 20% of uh, the original size. Uh, so 80% left? Uh, yes. So... I mean, a lot of people voluntarily... Well, sure, it, sure. But, but it's... 80% are gone from the day that's, you took that's over. That's correct, yes. So how do you run the company with only 20% of the staff? Uh, it turns out uh, you don't need uh, that, well, that many people to run Twitter. But 80%? That's a lot. Um, yes. Uh, over, I mean... If you're not trying to run some sort of uh, glorified activist organization, uh, with, with, uh, and you don't care that much about censorship, then uh, you can really let go of a lot of people, it turns out. <laughs> I love that Tucker laughed at that, and the left is losing its mind. He's laughing at people losing their jobs. Many of them ran away from Twitter. Many of them had to sprint away from Twitter when Elon Musk bought the company because they knew he was a free speech advocate. They knew that he was going to return free speech and freedom to the platform. And they also likely knew that Donald Trump's Twitter account would be reinstated. I don't see hope that Facebook will approach this as a, a, a non-aligned arbiter. You've allowed Donald Trump back on Twitter. He hasn't taken you up on your offer because he's got his own thing. Right. Do you think he will go back on Twitter? Well, that's that's obviously up to him. Um, you know, my, my job is to, uh, I, you know, I, I take the, the freedom of speech just very seriously. So it, it's, um, you know, I didn't I didn't vote for Donald Trump. I actually voted for Biden. I'm not saying I'm, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Biden because I, I, I would think that would probably be inaccurate. Uh, but, um, you know, we have difficult choices to make in these presidential uh, yep. elections. It's not I, I, I would prefer, frankly, that we we, we put someone just a normal person <laughs> as president, yep. a normal person with common sense uh, and whose values are smack in the middle of the country, you know, just, you know, center of the normal distribution. And uh, I think they'll do, that they would be great. You know, I think we have made maybe being president not that much fun, you know, <laughs> to be totally frank. Yeah, I agree with him. And wouldn't it be nice to have somebody with normal values as president? Yeah, would be. Very interesting. Uh, then we learned a little bit more about how much the government was inside how much access the government had inside Twitter before Elon Musk bought it. The degree to which uh, various government agencies had effectively had full access to everything that was going on on Twitter uh, blew my mind. Um, I was not aware of that. Would that include people's DMs? Uh, yes. Direct messages under scrutiny by the government. Direct messages, private messages kind of an important thing when he said yes you know, I got a little chill up my spine I hope you did too uh, there was also a discussion of AI artificial intelligence and a lot of people are worried about it uh, Elon Musk has been warning people about this he warned Joe Rogan about it years ago when they had a sit down years ago there was more between Tucker Carlson and Elon Musk talking about AI <laughs> 
How can you have a democracy with technology like that? I mean, if democracy is, you know, government by the people, each person's vote is equal to every other person's vote. I mean, and people are choosing their votes freely. Can you have a democracy with this? Well, that's why I raise the concern of um, AI being a significant influence in elections. Um, and, and even if you say that AI doesn't have agency, well, it's very likely that people will use the AI um, as a tool uh, in elections. Um, and then, it, you know, if the AI is smart enough, it, it, are they using the tool or is the tool using them? So I think things, things are getting weird, and they're getting weird fast. Things are getting weird, and they're getting weird fast. Yep. Yep, they are. They're getting very weird. So we actually had this discussion get extended, and uh, Elon Musk talked about needing the ability to cut off the power and turn off AI. You think that's real? It is... It is conceivable that AI could take control and reach a point where you couldn't turn it off and it would be making making the decisions for people. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, it's, that's, the, that's definitely the way things are headed, uh, for sure. Uh, I mean, um, the, the, the things like, like say, uh, ChatGPT, which is uh, based on GPT-4 from OpenAI, which right. is a company that I... Uh, Played a, uh, a critical role in in creating, unfortunately. Uh, Back when it was a nonprofit. <sighs> yes, um, I mean the the the, the reason uh, OpenAI exists at all is that um, Larry Page and I used to be close friends, and I would yes. stay at his house in Palo Alto, and I would talk to him late into the night about uh, AI safety, and at least my perception was that Larry was not taking uh, AI safety uh, seriously enough. Um, and, um, what did he say about it? He really seemed to be um, once, once sort of a digital superintelligence, basically digital god, if you will, uh, uh, as soon as possible. Um, he wanted that? Yes. He's, he's made many public statements over the years uh, that, that the whole goal of Google is uh, what's called AGI, artificial general intelligence or artificial superintelligence. You know, and I, and I agree with him that the, there's great potential for good, um, but there's also potential for bad. And so if, if you've got some um, radical new technology, you want to try to take the set of actions that maximize probably it, it will do good and minimize probably it will do bad things. Yes. Um, it, it can't just be helpful leather. Let's just go, you know, barreling forward and, you know, hope for the best. And then at one point uh, I said, well, what about, you know, we're going to make sure humanity's okay here. Um, <laughs> and 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 um, uh, and then he called me a speciesist. Uh, <laughs> did he use did he use that term? Yes. And there were witnesses. I wasn't the only one there when he called me a speciesist. And so I was like, okay, that's it. Uh, I've yes, I'm a speciesist. Okay, you got me. Kind of a moment of clarity there for Elon Musk when he realized his former friend at Google was all in on allowing the machines to have complete control. An AI god, artificial intelligence god. Hmm. I'm a little concerned about it. Uh, years ago, when uh, we spent summers and most of the year weekends out on Long Island, way the heck out on Long Island near those fancy Hamptons people. 
there was a group called the Lead Pencil Society. And they were people who were against all technology. They just wanted everybody to go back to a uh, no smartphone, let's use pen and paper, even though they called themselves the Lead Pencil Society. You had to send them a handwritten note and uh, they would decide whether or not to let you into the meetings. Kind of interesting. I'm thinking maybe I should have gone that way. Maybe. Might have missed an opportunity to be part of some bunker full of people that are trying to save the planet. Oh, my goodness. Uh, There's another story out there, a less national story, but I think this could have implications that would ripple across the country. It's kind of in the woke arena. New York State yesterday has ruled that public school districts will no longer be allowed to use nicknames tied to Native American culture. Now, we probably could have seen this coming because you had the Cleveland Indians become the Cleveland, what are they, Guardians now? You had the Washington Redskins become the Washington Commanders. And so New York State said, if your school has a team nickname that uses Native American-themed mascots and logos, at the end of uh, this school year, you have to uh, get rid of it because you'll be in violation of what's known as the Dignity Act. How about a Dignity Act for biological females, huh? Now, this is where it gets weird, because they they put a list of names. Like, you can't say Indians, and I don't know why not. You can't, you can't say Redskins. I understand that one. But they're also saying schools that use the nickname for their team's Warriors. You can't use warriors. Well, there are other other groups that call themselves warriors. You can't use raiders either. They say no red raiders, definitely, and I get that because that's a skin color thing. But you can't use raiders. You can't use warriors. And there are other schools that are saying, oh, hold on a second here. Uh, we know you can't use braves either, right? But they're saying that this may apply to people that have no connection whatsoever. No connection whatsoever to any kind of Native American group. There's one uh, one school, the Liverpool Warriors, whose mascot looks like a, a Roman warrior. Now, why is that offensive? But they're going to come in and say, sorry. We have deemed these words. I I miss the First Amendment. I miss freedom of speech. Uh, I just can't believe this is what's out there. It is crazy times 10. Times 10. Uh, A couple other stories to keep your eyes on. Uh, Colorado. I'm sorry, Colorado. You blew it. Colorado is now the first state that's officially chasing gender-affirming care dollars. They want kids who want to be mutilated and parents who don't care if their kids are permanently mutilated because of some uh, uncertainty in their brains to come to Colorado. They will gladly take all of your gender-affirming, mutilating operations money. It's crazy. I'm sorry, Colorado. You're wrong on this one. By only about a million percentage points. Absolutely wrong. Oh, boy. 
Did you know uh, rice is running the planet? The planet's getting hotter because of rice. Yeah, there is a story that broke yesterday saying that they uh, that the greenies want to have rice production lowered because they say that's creating methane gas that is uh, harming the environment. And I looked at this because I said, I, I recall this story. And it turns out that almost four years ago, almost four years ago, the World Economic Forum put out a statement saying that it is, uh, it's rice and all the growing of rice in wetlands that is causing all of the global warming. So connect the dots. It's the World Economic Forum, once again, trying to re-engineer your food. No, thank you. No, thank you at all. Huh. The other uh, story that we're going to get into today, and uh, we'll get we'll get into the Damar Hamlin story with Dr. Royce in just a couple of minutes. Uh, the other story that we absolutely have to discuss: uh, big settlement. Yeah, we talked about Fox. Facebook has been approved for a seven hundred twenty-five million dollar payout for some of the stuff they did that exposed your personal information. So Facebook has a $725 million settlement that will be available through the parent company, Meta, of course. And if you've been a Facebook customer from 2007 to present, or if you quit after you heard about it, December 22nd of 2022, you're eligible for a chunk of the settlement. How much? Depends on how many people sign up. You won't know until next fall, but maybe it's worth it to sign up. I'll tweet out a link to the story so you can fill it out if you want to. I know I, I put my name in. Who knows? Maybe I'll get a, a free latte out of it or something. Seven or 25 million. They got a lot of members. It's only American members. All right, I'm taking a quick break. When we get back, Dr. Michael Roizen of the Cleveland Clinic joins us. We'll talk about DeMar Hamlin, the remarkable recovery. He's now been cleared to play in the NFL. I have to talk about my allergy issues, and he's got some great health news, and we'll get to it just around the corner on the Pure Opelka podcast. Well, I have a long list of things I would like to talk to Dr. Michael Roizen about, and he has a long list of things he would like to talk to me about as we have our regular visit to talk about wellness and living younger and living longer and all that good stuff. So let's get to it. The Cleveland Clinic's Dr. Michael Roizen is here. And Dr. Roizen, welcome. I have to tell you, the Cleveland Clinic saved my life the past week. Tell me the story. Tell me the story. Okay, I will. I, I, I've not had allergies that I can recall in maybe 20 years. No allergy problems at all. If anything, a minor flare-up. And early last week, I was hit with what can only be called a pollen bomb. And I was incapacitated like I, I've never seen. I was totally out of it. My head was stuffed. Uh, my eyes started turning pink. And conjunctivitis set in. And I, I went on Al Gore's amazing internet. And I looked up, uh, what, can, <laughs> what can you do? For pollen attacks like this, huge, if you don't have allergies. And the first article it sent me to was from the Cleveland Clinic from a doctor who said, here are the remedies you can take 
and they recommended right out of the box the one that doesn't make you drowsy was Allegra. And I've never taken anything like that. Never. So I went to the pharmacy and the guy said, yeah, it's approved for pilots. And I said, that's what, in the article. And so I took an Allegra, 24-hour Allegra. 24 hours later, I'm starting to feel better. But my, my eyes were a mess. They were just watering and I was red. If you'd have pulled me over uh, to stop me for a traffic stop, you would have thought I had either been crying about uh, a lost puppy or had been smoking dope for a year. And uh, I, I just had a really bad case of conjunctivitis and a couple of eye drops for two days fixed that up. So the Cleveland Clinic saved my life last week, Dr. Royson. Well, I'm glad. I, I hope you didn't have to. I mean, you do. You were doing a lot of radio last week, so um, I'm a little worried that uh, you didn't you, di you didn't get the words right if you had to read. Well, I got the words right, but luckily, because most of my work is remote, I wasn't around anybody. But here's my here's my question: How does someone suddenly get affected by allergies when they haven't had it? And I didn't move to a new place. I've been living here for a decade. Well, you probably did get exactly a pollen bomb, meaning pollen has been, um, and it got real warm last weekend. You probably almost got a hole in one. So it got real warm, and uh, you, you literally got into a pollen bomb, um, and so uh, your system got upregulated and bango. Now... Yeah. There also are minor triggers that could have accentuated it, meaning they came on a couple of days and they sensitized you to it and you got a, a double whammy that way. Well, I felt like I had a double whammy and never had this in my life, but I, I feel like 900% better. And to your point, uh, I didn't play golf on Saturday because my eyes were still watering and crazy, but I did play on Sunday and on one of the four par threes, actually on three of the four par threes, I had good performance. But one of them, I hit the stick on my drive. And I thought it was going to be my day. But it wasn't. So it, I'm getting closer. Now, what happened when the ball hit the stick? Did it bounce close to the pin? No. Did it just drop and, and just... Uh, a couple inches away. No, that, or, that only happens uh, to the pros. Ricochet to a rock and go 25 uh, yards off the green. Yeah, no, it stayed on the green, but it hit straight on and came right back about <laughs> 16 feet. And I had to make two more putts to get in. So uh, no luck there, but I won all the skins. I beat all my buddies and they're still not happy. They can't wait till we get back on Saturday for a rematch. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. They're out for blood this weekend. Uh, Doc, there's another amazing story. Uh, Tuesday midday, there was an announcement from the Buffalo Bills that DeMar Hamlin, the guy that we basically watched die on the football field last year, has been cleared to play football again in the pros. Is this an amazing, remarkable miracle? That's really wonderful. It's um, in a way it's a miracle and in a way it's just the progress that we've made in medical science and in that he was in fantastic shape. So, as you know, he got an abnormal heart rhythm. They got to him fast enough, restored it. He then probably had a um, hypovolemic, meaning he 
He uh, discharged a lot of fluid into his lung at another event. That was even more dangerous in the in the ambulance on the way to the hospital. Got re- resuscitated from that, and uh, is uh, <laughs> is was had a fast recovery and because he's probably in fantastic shape. His uh, brain and he always uh, he had enough perfusion of his brain to not lose uh, neurologic um, capabilities. So his nerves are still stimulating the right muscles, and maybe we'll see him on the field again. Well, it's certainly going to see the entire nation tune in that first game, even if it's a preseason game. We know that, and uh, I'm sure everybody wishes him well. It's you a- know he wasn't on the regular team. I mean, he was an add-on, remember? He was a taxi squad member. So be interesting to see what the Buffalo Bills do because uh, he's obviously going to be a big attraction. Yeah, they got to give him a spot because he will put butts in the seats. You know that. <laughs> people <laughs> people will want to be there, and the, the television audience will be massive. So, uh, yeah, that's a very good point. It probably will happen. All right, Doc, you sent me so much great stuff this weekend. One of them I have to ask you about because – uh, we have an aunt who has just recently gotten hearing aids. She is now in her early 90s and just got uh, hearing aids for the first time. She's in great health, it seems like. But you have research that says hearing aid use reduces dementia risk? Yeah, so this is a kind of a, a Roizen rule for a younger you. Get your hearing tested every year after age 50. What? If it declines. Yeah, right. Sorry. And Lines, uh, you know, I, I, I'll have to tell you the story in a second. Okay. But if lines after age, you know, you want to get hearing aids. Now they've been very expensive. Thirty percent of Americans, both men and women, have significant hearing loss after age sixty-five, and this study showed where it increases your risk of dementia by twofold. This isn't the first study that showed that that hearing loss, Johns Hopkins did a big study on it about 10 years ago showing that, and it's been repeated several times. Hearing loss does does cause, um, it does increase the risk for dementia by about twofold. I'll come back to that in a second. And the sad part is in America, only about 10% of people with hearing loss have gotten hearing aids because they've been expensive, functional ones, between three and six thousand dollars, some as expensive as ten, and Medicare never paid for them. Well, two things happened. One is the FDA allowed over the counter, meaning non um, audiology um, supervision um, of hearing aid use or sales which has allowed the big box stores to have them. The second thing that happened is that um, the cell phones now have a ability to adjust them very well in your ears. They operate out of cell phone apps. And the third thing that happened is that many Medicare Advantage programs are now covering hearing aid costs. So what you want to do and what happened in the studies, they showed that those people with hearing loss who got hearing aids ended up with no greater risk of dementia than those who didn't have hearing loss. 
So instead of the doubling of hearing loss, they had no greater increase. Tremendous benefit from hearing aids. And they attribute it to both, and they, they did calculations on this, the absence of social loneliness, the absence of feeling isolated, and uh, the absence of depression over not being able to hear. So get your hearing checked. Um, wear protection if you're at any age. Don't have your cell phone volume turned up more than two-thirds at any time. If you're in a, uh, you know, if you go to rock concerts, etc., cetera, um, wear protective earwear. Um, if you work in a job where there's loud noises, wear protective earwear. And uh, if you do have hearing loss, one, get it checked, and two, um, do something to get a hearing aid. And again, they're much, they're, instead of the, the Two to six thousand, or three to six thousand, or higher. They're now um, at the big box stores where they have technicians to adjust them for you too. They're three to seven hundred dollars, so they're much. They're one tenth the price, and they're much more efficient in terms of giving you the sound. So technology's gotten better, prices gotten lower. Some of your insurance, Medicare, or uh, your part whatever your plus extra coverage might help out too. And this prevents that isolation. And Dr. Royston is always talking about how you need to have your posse. If you can't hear, it's hard to be part of a posse. This is huge news. This is great. This is fantastic. And I'll tell you, how, you know, the, the classic story is the, the guy goes into the doctor and says, I'm really worried about my wife. Um, she doesn't seem to be able to answer any of my uh, questions. So the doc says to the guy, um, well, ask her the same question. Um, what time is it? Start at 50 feet and then go then get 40 feet from her, then get 30 feet from her, then 20 feet from her, and then 10 feet from her. So the guy starts at 50 feet and he says, what time is it? No answer. Goes to 40 feet, says, what time is it? No answer. Goes to 30 feet and she says, it's 9.30. It's the third time I've told you. It's the same 9.30. <laughs> He's got the hearing problem, doesn't he? That's right. <laughs> I go back to Ronald Reagan, who actually did get hearing aids when he was president. And he came in the White House briefing room, and he, he announced uh, he had hearing aids. And one of the reporters said, what kind is it? And he goes, oh, it's about 2.30. <laughs> Because he was a funny man. Uh, yes. <laughs> okay, Doc, uh, so many other great stories here. I have to ask you about this. Intermittent fasting, I keep getting all these ads fed to me on social media saying, the intermittent fasting, intermittent fasting will do wonders for you. You need to take part in it. Uh, a, is it still the, uh, the way to go? And B, it helps with now type 2 diabetes? Well, this study was done in people who were pre-diabetic. And they um, asked them to not um, eat except for four hours. So they didn't eat for 20 hours, wow. three days a week, not consecutive. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. And in addition, four days a month, they were supposed to go to a very low-calorie diet. 
And what happened with these people compared to a control group, same condition, the, they um, reduced their risk of getting to um, type 2 diabetes by about 60%. So a major benefit from just changing the eating style hmm. and the amount you ate. Now, it, it turned out that because they reduced the calories and because they limited the time they ate, they lost weight. So that may be the major benefit in preventing type 2 diabetes. So the, the fasting or the intermittent fasting has benefits both to weight loss, which then can have ancillary benefits to preventing or, or slowing the onset of type 2 diabetes? Right. Remember, we wrote a book, What to Eat When? Yes. We were, well, the reason we wrote it was just this, that you are, because of the hormonal changes that circadian rhythm causes, it doesn't just cause you to sleep, but it causes you to be, um, to handle calories differently during the day. So eating a calorie in the morning is less weight gain than a calorie in the evening. So a calorie is a calorie is a calorie in the test tube, but in your body, a calorie in the morning is only like about 85% of a calorie in the evening. A calorie's got to watch, people, and it likes to be eaten early. So eat your calories early during the day and try and stay away from it at night. Uh, Doc, I didn't get to this one the other week. We kind of talked about it. How do you get kids to eat vegetables? Well, the key here was don't say to them, John doesn't eat asparagus. It is John didn't eat asparagus. You don't want to label the kid as a non-vegetable eater. Secondly, you want to make it as attractive, whether you cut the, the uh, cucumber in into hearts and uh, flowers or into a uh, dog shape or whatever shape. And then you want to make it more appetizing. So if you want them to dip the carrots or the celery and peanut butter, that's fine. If you want them to dip the the, the uh, stuff into, uh, um, if you will, hummus or guacamole, that's fine. Um, go ahead and do that. Okay. Yeah. Make appeal to what kids uh, have appealed to them. They like colors. They like shapes. They like something out of the ordinary. I still like to play with my food. It drives my wife crazy, but it's a good way to get kids used to eating foods that will ultimately love them. And Doc, you keep saying it, and I keep hearing it in my head. I think it's the next T-shirt for your uh, your venture, the uh, the Great Age Reboot uh, that that you've got out the new book, the Great Age Reboot. Uh, eat foods that you love, but that love you back. Eat foods that love you back. It's such a great and easy thing to remember. And um, I'm hoping we get a list of foods that love you back. Maybe that's next week. You want to do foods that love you back next week? We'll do it, but uh, I, I, I think I've increased sales of salmon burgers at Costco tremendously. Uh, you are. You're the Costco. You should have. Your own brand of salmon burgers at Costco with your face on it right there. A little sticker with like a 12-pack. And you can have, uh, and it said, eat foods that love you back, Dr. Michael Royzen. I'm going I'm to make you a multimedia star yet, little mister. 
Well, go for it. I'm up for it. <laughs> you're, all, you're already a star. His name is Dr. Michael Royson. Follow him on Twitter, uh, at Dr. Mike Real Age. He's there. And, uh, of course, The Great Age Reboot is the book, and you can go to greatagereboot.com for details. My friend, thank you so much. I'm, I'm getting closer and closer. This could be the weekend for the hole-in-one. Well, um, I hope you've got hole-in-one insurance. No. And uh, then I hope you get, why not get two or three in the same round? Really make up for time. Yeah, then I'll be in Sports Illustrated or something. I'll be in the back. <laughs> you know, that crazy page with all the weird things that happen. That's where I'd be. <laughs> Thank you, my friend. Take care. 